0: Hey there, friend, and welcome to the Live by Design podcast. Today, I have a really special conversation to share with you. I'm always so grateful for the time that we share with our incredible guests that come onto the show, who inspire us, who educate us, who motivate us, um, who give us action items to implement in our own lives so that we can live by design and not by default. And today's guest, Michael O'Brien, is somebody that I hopped on the mic with and just immediately connected with, somebody that I felt like I had known for forever <laughs> and not just the one hour that we spent together. And by the end of our conversation, he and I were talking off, off the mic at the end about all these different ways that we're going to collaborate together in the new year. So this was just such such a pure, beautiful connection and such a great reminder to me as a podcaster of just the... The beauty that comes from giving yourself permission to try something. So for me, that was like starting a podcast three years ago, having absolutely no idea what I was doing. And now here I am three years later sitting down and having conversations with incredible human beings and getting to be in community with all of you. And I hope that's your reminder, friend, today to just Take that step when you have that little nudge in your heart to do something. You know that thing. Um, just take the first step. You know, record whatever your proverbial first episode is. Um, sign up for the race. You know, get the book. Do the thing. Um, because I was so grateful to have this experience with Michael. And I'm really excited to bring this episode to your earbuds. So Michael is a qualified meditation teacher. He is an executive coach an endurance athlete, and he's the creator of the pause, breathe, reflect meditation and gratitude app. You know, we love meditation and gratitude around here. So he was the perfect person to talk with on the podcast. Michael loves to help people accomplish hard things through mindfulness. He has a really incredible story that he's going to share with you today. He is the survivor of a truly horrific near-death cycling accident, and he likes to call that his last bad day. And ever since then, he has just been pouring himself into mindfulness practices, into supporting others, and creating this positive ripple effect in the world. So if you are ready to be inspired, if you're ready to be encouraged, if you're ready to just like nod along to this episode and be like, yes, you see so much of yourself possibly in my Michael's story and his decision to live by design and not by default after his last bad day, then this episode was recorded just for you, friend. So you are listening to the Live by Design podcast, the show where I help you transform from feeling stuck and overwhelmed to navigating life with confidence, clarity, and purpose through my signature process, the Live by Design Blueprint, because you are the architect of your extraordinary life. So, what do you say, friend? Let's jump right into this conversation. Let's learn from Michael and let's start implementing some of these mindfulness practices for ourselves today. Hey, friend, and welcome to the Live by Design podcast, where we choose to live by design and not by default. I'm your host, Kate House. Each week on the show, I'm going to teach you how to be the architect of your extraordinary life through exploring my signature method, the Live by Design Blueprint. Together, let's explore powerful habits, mindset shifts, goals with soul, self-awareness, and lifelong learning, all while cultivating joy and practicing gratitude each step of the way. I'm here to be the voice of a friend and to support as many of us high-achieving, goal-oriented women as possible on our intentional living journey as we ditch the overwhelm, get unstuck, and take purpose-aligned action. As a certified behavior change specialist, health coach, yoga instructor, and top 2% global podcaster, I'm perfectly poised to support you in transitioning from trying to learn all the things all at once to leaning into focused, action-oriented, personal growth that supports weekly, if not daily, progress toward your goals in small, sustainable ways. There's nothing I love more than being the empowerment coach who believes in you and knows that you're worthy of pursuing big, audacious goals and i'll always be here as an unapologetic advocate for you living your dream life. If you're ready to dive in and live by design, let's get connected. A great place to start is with my complimentary self-care audit. Through this guided exercise and journal prompts, you'll gain clarity on your desires and the habits you can layer into your day to bring them to fruition. When you're ready, you can get started at misskatehouse.com/audit. So what do you say, friend? Let's live by design and not default together. Michael, welcome to the Live by Design podcast. I am so thrilled to have you here today.
1: Yeah, Kate, I'm so psyched. Like we were talking earlier, your little shorthand LBD. um, I have my own LBD, which I know we'll get into, but I know we'll get into a lot of cool stuff. So I can't wait. I know.
0: I'm so excited. It's really neat when you meet somebody and there's so many similarities and just through lines that are, you know, tenants for us and core values and things that we love to share and teach on. And so I get like giddy for conversations like this, but Michael, for anybody who is tuning in, they aren't familiar with you and the incredible work and ripple effect that you create in this world. Will you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're all about?
1: Yeah, sure thing. So I'll start with, I'm a husband. 30 years come May of 2024. So cool. we met in a personal ad before like match.com and all those other social media apps. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a father of two girls. So we're about to get into empty nest mode. I think Mm -hmm. our youngest is finishing up college. I'm a vegetarian. I'm an endurance athlete. I'm an executive coach and speaker and meditation teacher and have a little app that we'll talk about, I know. I'm also a survivor of a crazy near-death accident, so Mm -hmm. I feel really fortunate to be able to sit down with you today Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm really grateful to sit down every day (laughs) (laughs) after what I've gone through. Uh, So that's a little bit about like yeah, who I am, and I'm so psyched that you mentioned ripple effects, so I believe that. We're all energy and we get to choose what kind of ripple we want to put into the world. And that's what I'm trying to do. Put a good ripple into the world right now.
0: Yes. I love that. Yeah. You know, that, that framework really resonates with me. I did my health coaching through my like coaching certification through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and their logo is like this swirl and the whole idea is like, putting that positive ripple effect. And so when I was learning more about you and the work that you do, I was like, oh yeah, Michael and I are totally like
1: kindred spirits. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's just, I, I, so I discovered the whole ripple effect, skipping stones Mm. up in New Hampshire. My grandmother who lived up there on my mom's side had this pond and I would go searching for a quiet time, you know, mm. which, when I was a little kid and I would try to pick out the right stones and set a Guinness book, a world, world record for skipping stones across the pond. And I just loved how the stones would dance on the surface and mm. so sort of create ripples. I didn't know anything about physics at the time or energy, but that was the start of it. That whole, like, it's so cool. It's such a cool visual. And then When you get into it, it's even a a better concept for how you can live your life.
0: Oh, it's so cool. Well, and speaking of, you know, living your life and this ripple effect, it seems like for you, there was this moment, this LBD of yours that really was, you know, that stone that created this ripple effect in terms of some major shifts for you in life. And so can you tell us a little bit about what was that LBD for you and, and what has been that ripple effect since then?
1: Sure thing. So my LBD isn't a little black dress. So we'll <laughs> clear that up right now. Uh, so mine is called My Last Bad Day. Mm. So it was back, it goes back now a number of years, back in 2001. So I was, professionally, I was the head um, marketer for my company's biggest product. So mm. I had a relatively cool career if you stalked me on LinkedIn back then, but back then LinkedIn was not a thing. <laughs> and our girls were young. They were three and a half years old and seven months old mm. at the time. And I've been an avid cyclist from the day I came off of training wheels. I was mm. like, this is so cool. I can go anywhere without my parents. So this whole <laughs> idea of like going off and seeking adventure is a little bit of my story. Mm. So I decided to bring my bike out to a company off-site meeting that we were having in New New Mexico. Mm-hmm. All my New York friends were like, you're in Mexico. And I'm like, no, no. Like I'm in New Mexico. It's part of America. Like they're <laughs> like, um, so we went out there for a meeting and during one of the training rides I was on, because I was preparing for a bike race. Mm. That's why I brought my bike out. My colleagues brought their golf clubs out. <laughs> Which is uh, sort of typical for a corporate shindig. Mm -hmm. So on the fourth lap that I created, it was like a two mile loop. A Ford Explorer came around the bend, uh, Mm -hmm. fully in my lane, traveling what the police estimate as as about 40 miles an hour and hit Mm -hmm. me head on. And the wild thing about it, Kate, well, there's many wild things, but I remember like, It's sort of like a movie of Mm. the the truck, the SUV coming at me. And I'm like, oh, it it sees me, right? It's going to move, right? It sees me. It's going to move. Because obviously, as a lifelong cyclist, I've ridden in traffic all the time. And Mm. you might have a close call, but luckily, the close calls don't lead to impact. Mm. And I thought, well, surely he sees me. I'm the only thing out there. He's going to swerve to avoid me. He never saw me. Oh, So then I remember me hitting his grill and then the sound I made as I came up into the windshield and it broke a Mm. massive hole through the windshield Mm. and then he hit his brakes. I remember the screech of his brakes. And then I made a thud when I came to the asphalt below. When he stopped, he was basically still in my lane. Like, you know, sometimes when you hit something, you then swerve. He -hmm. he didn't really swerve at all. And I was knocked unconscious as one would imagine. Mm-hmm. I regained consciousness and I was trying to get my bearings. I was in the worst pain of my life. I couldn't mm-hmm. really move at all without being just like I felt like a trapped animal. Like I was in mm-hmm. this pain, but I couldn't move. I couldn't get into a more comfortable position. Mm-hmm. The AMTs were asking my 411, my information. I thought I was being clear, but I was not clear because they had to ask me it like multiple times. Mm. And then I could tell like, oh, the situation, it's a little tense around here. You know, like everyone's like a little worried and I was getting worried. So what I did is I cracked a joke to relieve some of the tension. I thought it was going to help. So I was like, hey, by the way, how's my bike? (laughs) And they're like, And that's really a question only another cyclist can appreciate because every time we crash, it's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. But how's my bike? Yep. (laughs) And they're like, "Uh, your bike's fine, which it wasn't fine. It was destroyed. Uh, And they were like, just try to breathe. Help is on its way. Mm -hmm. And here I was like surrounded by EMT, police and fire and the whole whole shebang. And they called the state trooper in to pronounce me dead on the scene. Wow. It's only a state trooper in New Mexico can do that. So they didn't think I was going to make it. They eventually flew me to Albuquerque, the only Trauma One Center in the state. It was a 19 minute medevac flight mm. that I tried to get out of because I was scared of flying back then. I wasn't a really good flyer. <laughs> but got there for surgery, took about 13 hours. And when I came out of that, I was in the ICU for about four to five days, which I don't remember anything at all. And that's when Mm -hmm. the recovery starts to happen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like one of those stories where, you know, with life, the one thing we can expect is that the unexpected is going to happen. Mm -hmm. But so often we think the unexpected will happen to someone else. Uh And that's, Sort of how I was living life. Like, you know, you are in my thoughts and prayers all the time, like when something bad happened in the world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, nothing bad's gonna happen to me. You know, like I'm I'm you know, I'm relatively healthy. I got a good career, I'm doing the right things, I'm following the script. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got my thoughts and prayers, you know, when the unexpected happens to you, and then the unexpected happened to me and to our family, mm-hmm. and yeah. that tipped everything upside down.
0: Yeah. So I can't imagine not only the experience for you personally, but having, you know, a three and a half year old, I think you said a seven month old. I mean, that's a season of life that's already challenging. And so, and then to be not in, you know, not at home for that as well. So I I know from your story, from what I've read, this recovery season was really pivotal for you. So can you tell us what was it that really helped you in that season as you started to heal, not only your body, but Your mind as well.
1: Well, the one big thing was the people around me. Mm. You know, this thing called life, you know, when we live by design, it's not a solo project, right? We need to have people in our lives that bring out the best in us. And hopefully we bring out the best in them. Mm. So I call this, this is a cycling term, who's in your Peloton. Now, Mm. a lot of folks in the States will think of the word peloton and think of the spin bike.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And which is cool. Um, it's a really great bike. I have one. so
0: <laughs> me too <laughs> um, So,
1: um, we could talk about favorite instructors later. Um, <laughs> but what a peloton really is is a group of cyclists in a bike race, like the Tour de France. And mm. so they're riding centimeters away from each other, going at like wicked, fast pace. Um, They're coordinating and collaborating and communicating with each other. They're competing with each other and not everyone is to win. Some people are helpers and some people are leaders. And and that's a little bit of life that, you know, we need to be riding with people that we trust. So when you ride in a Peloton, you got to have trust because you're riding at such high speed and in close quarters. Mm So for me, it was like, okay, who's around me? Who can who can be there to support? So I had my medical team, of course. I had my wife, who was just amazing. <laughs> um, my girls were supportive in their way, just as purpose as a dad. You know, yeah. they couldn't really comprehend things. They They don't remember much nowadays from the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I had family, friends, strangers, you name it, mentors. And... Through connect connecting with them, it, it helped me open some doors. Not mm. not every door went down the right path. You know, so, sometimes I'd go down a different path and it was a dead end. But yeah. having a community of people around me was really helpful. I also knew this. This is something a mentor shared with me. He was he said, "Listen, everything in life is neutral until you label it." Mm. And I was like, what? You know, keep in mind, Kate, at this moment in time, I'm still in the hospital. I have, you know, staples and stitches and I am still really banged up. I'm in a wheelchair. Um, The doctors had predicted a life of a lot of pain and suffering. They're like, Mm -hmm. you're probably not going to walk well again. You're not going to get back on your bike. So my whole identity, you asked that question up front, like, who are you? I had no idea who I was going to become Yeah. because everything about like my life was, get, was being flipped upside down. And I was like, what are, what are you talking about? Everything is neutral until you label it. And he was like, well, you get to choose your labels. Something happened to you and you were quick to label yourself as a victim. And no one's going to fault you for that because look at you like you're, you're a mess right now. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, thanks for that." Like, yeah. <laughs> little, you know, um, I think I know that. Um, but he said, "Listen," and it goes back to a Viktor Frankl quote. You know, mm-hmm. between stimulus and response, there's a space, and in that space is your freedom to grow. Mm-hmm. So that's what he was getting at. Like, listen, you get to choose your label. You can, you can think about this as happening to you or happening for you. Now, mm-hmm. that question came a little too soon. Right, I still needed some time to digest it, in which I did, but I worked on that and worked on that, and I found a gratitude practice, so that was helpful. And then I heard the story about the first arrow and second arrow, mm. uh, which is a parable where a soldier goes into the woods, gets hit by a first arrow, and then ruminates on that first arrow and the pain she's in. Mm. That's the second arrow. Mm. So, what I th- you know, that's a real quick version of that story. And so, so often in life, things happen externally, first arrows, but mm-hmm. we ruminate and fester it. And that's the second arrow that we shoot at ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, my first arrow, which was a big arrow, was the accident. And as I fight reality and argue with reality and all that jazz, I'm firing second arrows at myself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, everything is neutral how can I relabel that day? So I decided I was going to call that day my last bad day, LBD. Love because that. if I can go to bed at night and I have people who love me in my life and people who I love back, like my wife and daughters, how can I chalk up the whole day as a bad one? Mm. What I realize is that we're living moments and some moments are bad and challenging and some are joyful and happy. And at the end of the day, it's a whole bunch of a whole bunch mm-hmm. i can't just put one label on it and so that's how i came to label the day as my last bad day and then then i found mindfulness and that was also a game changer
0: yes oh i love that so much i mean it's just such a um feels like a very powerful and abundant and like spacious approach to Day to day life, and and I love how you talk about mindfulness as well. You know, you have this great line on your website about how mindfulness helps us expand our awareness and focus, sharpen our focus, um, and approach moments with a sense of calm and peace. And it seems like to me, like this mindfulness, this mindfulness, and the the calm and the peace, and building resilience to stress. I mean, these are all things that we can employ in our day-to-day lives and 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 I am so grateful for you sharing your story, um, which I would imagine is, you know, it's such a, a huge moment for you because there's so many of us listening right now who maybe haven't had, you know, their last bad day, who haven't had that kind of traumatic experience, but we can learn from you and your story and start to implement these mindfulness practices so we get the benefit. And that's always what I'm trying to do, right? I'm like, if I took 20 steps to get here, how could I help somebody take three <laughs> and i i think that's so much of what you're doing with sharing your story and this this the you know the two arrows and just leaning into these mindfulness practices so can you tell us a little bit what has the role of mindfulness played for you and and what is a way that we can kind of use it to to put our last bad day behind us
1: yeah i love i love the whole thought pattern kate you have about 20 steps versus 3 steps mm. And to a large degree, that's why I share my story. Because prior to my accident, I do think I call this my mug. Um, M-U-G. Mm-hmm. Mother Earth, universe, God. Mm. Uh, whoever, whoever is your grand barista who fills <laughs> up your mug, right? So it's it, expansive. I think they were trying to give me some hints prior to my accident. Mm. And then they gave me my big accident and said, listen, we need you to really stop and pause mm-hmm. and think about how you're living life. Like, you know, cause I wasn't, I wasn't living it by design. I was just uh, winging it or just following the script that I thought I had to follow. So for me and mindfulness, what it's been able to do, it it really has been able to expand my awareness mm. and discover new things, see things differently, shift my perspective, if you will. It's also helped me unlearn a whole bunch of things Mm. that I thought were true. But as we go through life today, I think we're learning that not everything that we were taught is true in the way it was taught. Mm. And there's also just a natural thing that I've discovered as I've aged, is getting comfortable with not knowing, which is really hard when I was in my corporate career because from a corporate perspective, I needed to know the answer. Mm -hmm. And even though like the leader said, hey, if you don't know, just say you don't know and go Mm -hmm. find the answer. It's like, yeah, I know you all say that. (laughs) As a leader, I have said that, but no one really believes Mm -hmm. that, Doing that doesn't have some consequence. Yeah. So getting comfortable with not knowing and being okay with not knowing. Um, mm-hmm. But I say the big thing is just approaching my moments for, with more thoughtfulness. You know, the mm-hmm. speed in which we live today in 2024 mm-hmm. is so much faster than even back when I had my accident. You know, now we have social media and I don't want to put it all on tech and media, but technology has certainly increased the pace of life. Mm -hmm. And so when the game of life gets really fast, the thing to do is to slow it down. And Mm -hmm. mindfulness helps me slow things down and realize I've got this, like Mm -hmm. I got people who've got my back as well, and I can be really thoughtful in my moments as opposed to reactionary. So. I was I was taught through my recovery a very long practice of 45 minutes, which is mindfulness-based stress reduction. Mm-hmm. And that's where I qualified as a teacher. But my practice today is a little bit of that and yoga and also micro mindful minutes mm-hmm. sessions throughout the day. Because I think we need to just remind ourselves to keep on coming back to our breath and mm-hmm. slow it down when it gets too quick and just be thoughtful. And if we're thoughtful, we can be kind and compassionate and loving and peaceful and grateful and all those other wonderful qualities that we talk a lot about on the internet, we can actually live it. So
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. I, I love this idea of these these micro moments or how you can kind of sprinkle them throughout your day. And, and here at, at the Live by Design Co., we do a lot of work on letting go of both perfectionism and all or nothing thinking. Those are things that a lot of the women in my community were high achievers might be a little type a you know we were raised that if you don't get an a on the test then like everything below it is a failure right and so and and we're coming to age and realizing like oh actually there's a lot of gray and it's okay if we can't do it perfectly or not at all there's a lot of life to be lived in the in between and that's why i love this idea of these micro moments so much because it takes a little bit of the pressure off of like well if i can't meditate for an hour, then I can't do it at all, right? And this idea of coming back to your breath. So can you tell us more about that? What does that look like in practice? What is you know, the value of it? What impact have you seen in your life? And I know in the lives of your beautiful community.
1: Yeah, Kate, great question. So there's two Japanese terms I wanna share with you and your audience because it de- definitely touches upon perfectionism. And as we get older, uh, one is uh, wabi-sabi. Mm. Which is different than wasabi. Wasabi <laughs> is great for your sushi, but wabi sabi is seeing the beauty in natural things and t- touches in on the, you know, impermanence of life. It's like that weathered barn, mm-hmm. you know, like the beauty of that. And as we age, we're going to get wrinkles and blemishes and whatnot. And it's embracing that beauty. Mm-hmm. There's also something called kintsugi, which is a Japanese art form where broken pottery comes back together. And it's this beautiful work of art, but it creates these scar lines, these golden symbols of strength. And so for me, with my accident, I had a whole bunch of like scars, still do. And they're like my kintsugi. Mm. And it's embracing imperfection, the beauty of imperfection. So those two concepts are really cool as we think about how we age with grace yeah so back to that question of like mindfulness in these micro moments so like a lot of people i have a morning practice and a morning routine mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of people do right we're like in order to win the day you got to win the morning you got to win the morning you got to win the evening and like mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> you know, all that jazz right and that's really good i think there's a lot of you know a lot of good testimonial about setting up your day well mm-hmm. And I also will say this to all the non-morning per- people, like sometimes you win the evening and that's your jam. That's totally cool.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> love that.
1: So we win the morning, we get our workout in, we get our hydration, we're journaling, we're doing all that stuff. And you know a whole bunch of people and I know a whole bunch of people and we're probably in this camp as well, mm-hmm. where we do all that. And then by 2 p.m., it's like, ooh, it's a... <laughs> I'm having a hot mess moment, right? (laughs) And so there's a concept in yoga and in mindfulness about bringing your practice off the mat or off the cushion and weaving it into your day. So when I look at my practice, I still have my meditation practice in the morning but I make note to like weave in one or two or three minute practices Mm -hmm. throughout the day as a way to remain thoughtful and manage my energy well and all that jazz, just even one or two minutes before I'm about to eat something. Like, is that really what I want to eat right now? (laughs) Or could I make a different choice? Um, Practice a little gratitude before I hit the pillow at night. So, I'm a big believer in just coming back to it, coming back to our breath. Even our Apple watches have sort of bought into this whole concept (laughs) because it reminds us to like, hey, get up, move your body. It's time to take a a moment to breathe. So huge fan of morning rituals and routines. We gamify that a lot. Mm -hmm. So there's like a perfect badge to get. But my feeling is like, do that and try to weave the practices that you're practicing into your day. And that I think will really change your life. And it becomes not really a habit, but just like, hey, we just, this is how I roll. This is what I do. It's a way of living as opposed to a transactional thing we do because we think we need to do it, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely, yeah, a way of living instead of just another thing to like tick off of the to-do list. Yeah, our
1: to-do lists are so massively long, there's so much to do, or there's so much that we think we can do. And Mm -hmm. most of us are really bad at estimating how long all this takes. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's just going to take a few minutes. Oh, it's just going to take a few minutes. It's just going to take a few (laughs) minutes. And when you add up a few minutes multiple times, that's a lot of minutes. Mm -hmm. And so now we're going from thing to thing to thing. And it's transactional. We're not in it. It's not embodied. So my pause, breathe, reflect breaks literally do just take a few minutes but I want people to be able to embody them and I developed the whole practice when I was in the hospital because I felt so overwhelmed like Mm -hmm. there was so much I had to do people are like well you gotta do this you gotta do that you gotta do this Michael you gotta go you gotta go here you gotta go there I'm like oh my god like (laughs) I'm like I'm just trying to get better I just want to leave the hospital Mm -hmm. to get back home yeah and I was like all right I knew, I knew this as an athlete, because back then I knew nothing about mindfulness, except mm. uh, I knew enough to judge it as like this hippy-dippy <laughs> thing to do. But I knew as an athlete, when things got really chaotic or stressful in the game, the coaches would always say, hey, take a breath. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take a breath. And I started with a box breathing pattern, and that mm. was the start of it all. And- so I would just come back to that when I felt a lot of overwhelmed because when you're in the hospital, you have a ton of time to think like I couldn't read anything. I was more of an us magazine kind of guy than a people magazine, mm-hmm. because people would have longer form interviews and stories. And my brain, because it was injured, mm-hmm. I was basically like only able to concentrate on who wore it best. Yeah. Like, that was it that was my mm-hmm. limit or celebrities are just like us like i could do that and uh-huh. nothing more um and i didn't want to watch a whole bunch of tv so i had a mm-hmm. whole lot bunch of time in my hospital bed mm-hmm. just ruminating about what was about to happen to me so i needed i needed a counterbalance i needed to quiet all the chatter in my mind
0: mm. oh that's beautiful and i i love your approach of pause breathe reflect because it is so doable. um, It's something we can implement right away. And I love that you had a little bit of of healthy skepticism, right? Like this is a little woo woo, right? Like, and we're, and here at LBD, uh, we're all about taking the woo woo, but then learning like, well, but why does it help? And like, what are the studies, right? And how do we layer it in and what's the benefits? And so I love that You know, you've taken this pause, breathe, reflect, and not only now did you use it in your recovery, and you use it now, but you teach it to others. And so, as we as we kind of start to wrap up our conversation, I'd love to know, like, what is your word of encouragement for somebody who's listening, and they're like, "Yeah, I see a need for mindfulness practices in my day," and and maybe they feel really encouraged or inspired of this idea of, of sprinkling it throughout the day. When you think about pause, breathing, and reflecting. Is there like a cue, action, reward? Like, is it a habit loop? Is there something that kind of triggers you to be like, "Oh, it's time to to pause, breathe, and reflect"? Or is it is it more opportunistic, or, or maybe it's both? <laughs> what would you yeah. say?
1: I love it, and I I'm so down today with the woo-woo, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm still more of a scientifically based kind of guy. Yeah. But as I mentioned earlier, the whole not knowing. Mm -hmm. like having space for not knowing is how I have a relationship with the woo-woo like I don't know like the moon can move the oceans like it probably has some impact on us I don't know entirely what it is but I'm willing to let it have some space to say yeah I think something's happening there (laughs) yeah i like that's how I That's how I sit with it. And that's my relationship with it now. So there's a nice, I like to think there's a nice harmony to that. (laughs) So to your question, you know, the the pause, breathe, reflect is there is action to that. That reflect piece Mm -hmm. is important because it's that, it's that, hey, how do I want to show up next? What kind of ripple do I want to put into the world? How can I be thoughtful? And so that part of it is really important. There's a couple of different things for folks that they could do. Mm -hmm. One, they can certainly set their watch or notifications to do it like, I'm gonna do it every couple hours. And that's one way to develop a habit. My feeling though around cue and habit formation is that if we pay more attention to our body, our body's gonna give us some signals that it's a little stressed. Mm. Our body likes to whisper to us before it really starts to scream at us. Mm-hmm. And so we all have a place in our body where stress first appears. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be the clenching of your jaw, which is mine. It could be butterflies in the tummy. It could be, you know, feeling a little warm, you know, you're feeling tightness in the hips, wherever it might be. So that might be a great indicator to say, okay, that's a need. Okay, slow it down. Mm-hmm. Let's pause. let's take a few breaths and like reflect on, okay, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. What's called for now? How can I let go of some of the stress? So that's a beautiful way of just picking up a practice. Mm-hmm. And my feeling is, start small. And you know, I think a lot of the folks that have written about habit formation, they will all say, start sort of start where your feet are feet are at, and start with the smallest step to really set you up for success. Yeah. And so, I would recommend start with 1 minute. You know, there's a couple of 1 minute gratitude practices. Actually, we have like I have a 120 different 1 minute practices.
0: I love that. Please.
1: And my my feeling is like if 8 billion of us can take 1 minute every day and that <laughs> if that's all we do, then I think we're going to have a more peaceful world. Mm-hmm. And so And if the one minute turns into two, turns into three or longer, awesome. But like, start small, say, I'm going to do this for a minute and then see where it takes you.
0: Mm, I love that so much. And Michael, you have a really like actionable way that we can do this because you have this beautiful and impactful app. And I know that you're gifting 60 days of access to our listeners, which I'm so grateful for because I am a huge, huge advocate of mindfulness, of meditation, of all the things you're putting out into the world. So will you tell us a little bit? And friends, we're gonna put links in the show notes so you don't have to remember any URLs it will be there waiting for you. But will you tell us a little bit about what you've created?
1: Yeah, so as I rode my bike across the country uh, in 2022, we were developing this app. Mm. So I was pretty quiet about my mindfulness practice, even though I was training to be a teacher up until the pandemic. And when the pandemic hit, I was like, Oh, this is a moment for mindfulness. Yeah. So then I started leading practices publicly, and that grew and grew and grew. And then I was like, why not just create an app? Because a lot of people were like, man, I needed you like two hours ago. Like uh-huh. I need to practice two hours. And so when I was doing them live, it was just at that time, but life happens in all of our different moments. So as I was writing, my bike across the country, we were working on this app. And just to put mindful moments in someone's back pocket. And the, the app is really cool. There's a whole bunch of like shorter practices. There are also longer practices. We have some breath work patterns on it. And then I do a live practice Monday through Friday because I think people really we thirst for belonging. We want to feel connected. And I know There is some fatigue with like Zoom, like, Mm -hmm. oh, not another Zoom meeting. (laughs) But this is really cool because you just come together and we do a short practice, like five, seven minutes. Mm -hmm. There's space if people want to share what's on their mind or touching their heart. Mm -hmm. But you do it in a community and there's something different about practicing in a community. And that's been a part of my philosophy from the get-go It remains so throughout the app. Um, So yeah, so there's a little micro moments in the app plus a live practice. And it's really cool because a lot of people are starting to see life differently. And to the work that you do, Kate, they are being more thoughtful and intentional about the type of life they want. And that puts them in a position to ripple something that's good into the world. And the world needs goodness. You know, we need more like-heartedness of folks putting that goodness into the world to counterbalance some of the divisiveness and, you know, hatred and mess that we see from the media. We we can be like-hearted warriors putting some goodness into the world.
0: Mm, I love that, Michael. You know, it's too funny. I was just talking to my, I have a business coach. She's like my spiritual business coach. So we talk about all the things. And we were talking a lot yesterday about helping our communities be more mindful to, to nurture themselves well so that they can show up well, not only for themselves and for their families, but ultimately the world, right? Things can feel really heavy, especially right now. And so cultivating that mindfulness within yourself can create that spaciousness, that awareness or that energy to then support others. So I love, I love everything you're doing, Michael. I know that this is just the very beginning of our time together. And as you're sharing my brains, like, Ooh, I would love to collaborate with him with this, that, and the other thing. So I'm sure we will be in touch Many, many more times. But for everybody who's listening, will you tell us where are all of the best places for everyone to connect with you online? Of course, the app is number one. I'm so excited for folks to get over there. But where are all the other places where we can find you and the incredible work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, Kate, thanks for having me on. And I do believe the universe um, puts people in connection with each other. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we're rushing too quickly to notice who's just popped into our lives. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, when we first got connected and I started reading more about the work you're doing, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, she is like one cool gal. I go, "Good, we, you know, gotta connect. So I'm glad we are <laughs> able to do this. So probably the best bet is to go to, um, pause, breathe, reflect.com, which is mm-hmm. Uh, My website for the app and there's, I have some merch, like wearable reminders to slow it down and breathe. (laughs) And then from there, you can find me on Instagram and then also on LinkedIn. Those are probably the two social platforms I frequent, LinkedIn for the corporate warriors out there uh, and pause, breathe, reflect on Instagram for a little creative outlet.
0: Mm, I love that so much. And now, Michael, as we truly wrap up, I've been dying to ask you, who's your favorite Peloton instructor?
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. So, so I, know, I know Christine fairly well. I am a Gen X kid. So she's down with like first wave. Uh-huh. Uh, so I am totally all about that. Although she does play a little bit too much cure for me. I'm not a huge, <laughs> I'm not a huge cure fan, but like, <laughs> I am so down with Christine. I will um I'll do yoga with with Ross. Mm-hmm. Um I'll do uh, yoga with um uh, some others, but like Ro- like I did a yoga session with Ross this morning. Yeah, uh, huge fan of Emma's. Uh, I'll do Matt. I'll do Olivia. Um yep. but like yeah, I do Christine a lot because from a music perspective. Um, like I'm so down with first wave and oh. alt nation and stuff like that.
0: I love that. That's awesome. I love, um, I do a lot of Robin Arzon's classes. And, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it was so funny. Cause I realized that she and I grew up very close to each other. And so it's kind of fun. Cause sometimes she'll mention places like the Willow Grove mall. And I'm like, yeah, I totally went there when I was a kid. So that's always fun, but I love her music. She does like a lot of, um, R&B and hip hop and rap and uh, early 2000s type of stuff which is always really fun. I've reached an age where I now listen to like decades music. <laughs> I'm like yes. yes the 2000s and and early 2012s are uh teens are my favorite and so that's fun and I love um Adrian Williams. I do a lot of his oh, strength yeah. training. He's yeah. he's such a boss.
1: <laughs> he's, he he yeah he is a beast. Yeah, I would say I totally dig him from a strength perspective, Just Sims, like oh yes, Flash 15. I'm all about that. Um, yeah, and around music, I, I'm really fan of Matt's, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. but I would have to say, like his music is a little like leaves me wanting more. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's too it's too much crowdsourcing the playlist for me. Mm, like, yum, I, I yeah. want some thematic to it. So um But yeah, so, hey, it's all good, good energy. I'm a fan of Robin's too. If I really want to like work it and, you know, get a really hard workout in, I will uh, definitely hook up with Robin. But yeah, yeah, it's really, it's a really cool community. I'm glad I'm part of it. And, um, you know, we're, I think we're all in this one big, massive Peloton anyway.
0: So (laughs) we
1: should be wise about how we're riding with Mm -hmm. everyone regardless of our perspective of like yeah. what we like and what we don't like we're we're all, we're all sharing this big blue marble that we're on so mm-hmm. we got to make it work and hopefully ride with some grace and some thoughtfulness for each other
0: yes oh i love that so much michael well thank you so, so much for our time together. I can't wait to have you on the podcast again and continue this conversation, but I'm just so grateful for you and just the incredibleness that you're putting out into the world and this ripple effect that you're creating. So thank you for letting me just be a small part of that today.
1: Uh, Thanks, Kate.
0: That brings us to the end of another Live by Design podcast episode. I had so much fun diving into today's topic with you, and I hope you're walking away with one action item that you're going to commit to implementing in your own life starting today. And speaking of ditching the overwhelm, getting unstuck and taking action, I would love to get connected with you, friend. It's really me on the other end, recording these podcast episodes, answering emails and recording video responses. And I am dying to get to know you better. You can shoot me an email anytime over at Kate at MissKateHouse.com or send me a DM or a voice memo over on Instagram at MissKateHouse. I'd love to know your favorite takeaways from this episode, the action item you're committed to, or how you're leaning into living by design and not by default in your current season of life. And friend, if you enjoyed today's episode, please take a second to subscribe to the Live by Design podcast wherever it is you tune into your shows. And if you've enjoyed three or more of these content-packed episodes, I would be so crazy grateful if you do me the favor of opening up Apple Podcasts on your smartphone, finding the Live By Design podcast with me, Kate House, and leaving a five-star rating for the show. If you're willing to even write a one to two sentence review, all the better. Each new review that's left brings me serious joy, like I do an actual happy dance each time I see a new review pop up, and it helps us grow our community of growth-oriented women. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I'll be back in your earbuds again soon. And until that time, friend, spread some joy make someone smile.